Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all? Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have fun too. Scout's honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go, but would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now, I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. When everything you've been known for, for your whole life is suddenly in a moment stripped away from you, what happens? Who are you? What do you turn to and who do you become? This is what I'm talking about in today's episode with coach Adam Cobb. He is a head health lifter, certified nutritional consultant, sport performance coach, and has clients ranging from Olympic athletes to NBA players to pastors from global churches to CEOs and A-list celebrities. Adam continues to be recognized as one of the top coaches in the world. He's even coached me at times too. And he's, he's a baller. I'll tell you that much. He put me to work and we are having a really interesting conversation about what happens when our life doesn't turn out the way we thought it would. What happens when our identity gets rocked, which I think at some point in all of our lives, it's going to happen. So get ready for a really fun conversation with coach Adam Cobb. So you and I are talking about a miscommunication that we had a couple years ago and I created a boundary with you and said, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as a woman, it has been something that I've worked really hard to do, even just whether it's a guy friendship, a guy I'm dating, a guy I'm working with. I have struggled speaking my truth or sharing this is what I need, even if it's like, well, you relate to six meetings in a row and I don't want to be too too much, or I don't want to share that this person is disappointing me. And I feel like as a business owner working with a lot of women, I'm like much more able 
to do that. But like, I'm thinking back to the conversation that we had and I am now remembering, like, it was hard for me to say that to you. Mm. We were working together and it was just, you were in a different place and I was in a different place. And so it wasn't cohesive for us to work together. Mm. But I remember now feeling like it was hard for me to say that because it was hard for me to stand up for myself. There's still this part of me as a woman who is like, I want a guy to not be disappointed in me, Mm. you know? And so that's something that I've continuously worked on before then, since then. Mm. But just this idea, why is it so hard for us to say, I need something? (laughs) Because I feel like there's that dynamic of being a woman. But then what you were just talking about before we started recording is verbalizing your needs when you're a leader or like you're coaching people. Why is it so hard for you, for us as leaders Mm. to say, I need this or this isn't working for me? Well, one, I want to acknowledge you in that moment when you did share your need and you're asked because it was done beautifully. (laughs) Um, And yeah, as a leader in a field or as a coach, I don't love the word expert, so I shift away from that word. I think I found it really challenging to ask for needs as we were talking about, but also with my parents, like that was actually one of the hardest things. Mm -hmm. And I think that I imagine most people have a really hard time for that. And when you're home, as we said, when you're home for a weekend or a holiday or somebody's birthday, it's really easy to just, yeah, okay, fine. You drop back into it. Your parents, your parents are going to share certain things. But because I was home for nine months recovering from an ACL meniscus surgery, I had to confront the communication or lack of communication that we developed. It wasn't my parents. It was my parents and I and our relationship to communication and how we relate to each other. And I, yeah, and start seeing that therapist for the first time. And it really helped understanding that I think oftentimes I would take it personal Mm -hmm. or I just wanted to, as you shared as a woman, as a man too, I I often just didn't want to disappoint people. Mm -hmm. I want to show up as a coach. I want to over deliver Mm -hmm. and I want to not only serve somebody in the sessions, but I want to serve them in between the sessions and give them homework and always be there. And I think that the asking and how to frame the ask, and that's why I recommended those two books that I'm reading. I'm not even, I read them and I'm reading them. Yeah. <laughs> That's how over good they are. And over They're and consistent. Over. They're it's just like, yep, Jesus calling and nonviolent communication. <laughs> it is so powerful. How yeah. to frame and ask and think of this ask of needs as a gift rather than a burden mm-hmm. because they often always feel like a burden. Hey, I'm really feeling a need to connect. Oh, am I burdening in them? Are they so busy? They don't want to receive it now. Mm-hmm. Hey, and then how to frame that. Mm-hmm. When to frame it. Oh, when timing. to ask, timing, when to sit on it. Yes. I'm like the perpetual backpedaler. I'm like, <laughs> word vomit, like externally processing. I'm like, I just need to say it. I need to say it now. And then typically I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Like I didn't mean for it to come out that way. Cause if, if there's anything I feel like I'm learning about life is life, love, especially with love too, is timing is everything. Mm-hmm. You can meet the right person at the wrong time and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have the right intention with the right message the wrong time falls on deaf ears you know yeah it makes me think about this about a month ago I was having a conversation with someone that was going through a real challenge and in that challenge over a period of about a month finally opened up opened up to me and shared what this challenge was and I'm reading these books and I'm you know trying to integrate them right (laughs) and try to use the 
of knowledge and wisdom from them. And rather than just listening and really being present to that thing that was bottled up for a whole month, mm. I listened and I just wanted to like, okay, and like there's this and, because mm-hmm. the word and is, is I can do anything with the word and, not true always, <laughs> and. Yes, and. Yes. Amazing. Thanks for sharing. And I had this need for blah, 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 blah. Well, it wasn't the right timing. It was the timing to listen. Mm-hmm. And there's this um, phrase like listen empty. Listen empty? Yeah, like empty listening. Like I am I am fully, I am emptied and I'm listening to you. Mm. Right? It comes from Mark Nepo in the book 7,000 Ways to Listen where he's speaking to a Nigerian dialect teacher that says to him, there are 7,000 languages. So after Mark left him, he sat, meditated on 7,000 languages and he said, well, if there are 7,000 languages, there must be 7,000 ways to listen. Mm. I want to research how. Mm. Yeah. And I thought, well, there's an opportunity to listen empty. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And I told you this past weekend, I was on this retreat and the whole theme of the weekend was how to listen to God or how to hear from God. And one of the things we did was we got partnered with a stranger and we went into the weekend and we had to go through these journaling prompts and basically we came to a place where it's like we have this one question what's the one question I have for God this weekend and then for an hour we met with this buddy who was a stranger mm. and shared for an hour and the person wasn't allowed to say anything and so you're just like talking talking and you know I'm like a fixer I like you know coaching people and I'm like oh I got I'm two seconds I know what I need to tell this girl for her feedback circle when it's all done and like the hour goes by and it it's like I was having this whole experience of realizing I'm not listening to her because I have an agenda of what I want to say to her ultimately because I think I'm right I want to be right I want to be heard I want to be the hero I want to be the coach I want to be the more spiritually evolved person. And it was interesting. The more I just sat and listened to her and let go of my agenda to fix her, Mm. it's like God came in and spoke to her and I didn't need to say anything. And then we did vice versa and it was the same thing. And then by the end of it, where we both were giving each other feedback, it's like, well, what I initially was so gung ho about, like, oh, here's her problem. Here's how it's going to be fixed. It's like, that's not even what the end feedback was. It was more like, maybe there's not necessarily an answer, but I want to be with you in this place. And how much more helpful that is for me. (laughs) And I think for humans, when we just sit with people, Mm. not trying to fix them, because I think for me sharing that I need support or asking for help from others as someone who has been a leader for most of my life. And I think there's been a lot of that where it's like, I think our gifts can be blessings and a curse. I think that I've always been a leader. I've always been like, okay, there's going to be a captain of the tennis team. Well, it was me. Okay. There's someone that's going to lead the small group. I'm in that role. And that's been me walking in strength, but I've only realized in the last few years that it's also been me walking in fear and hiding myself because I think underneath a lot of that, I was hiding from needing other people because I believe this message from deep down below when I was a kid that people aren't really safe and I don't know who I can trust. 
and I know I can trust myself, but I don't know if I can trust you to be there for me. So let me help you. Let me lead you. Let me coach you. Let me fix you. But I'm definitely not going to be listening to you when you give me advice. And I'm definitely not going to even let you know when I need help. And I would like do this thing where I would like lick my wounds in private and then come back out for like a teaching moment. Oh, you guys, I was struggling with this thing, but like, then I overcame it. And my friends are like, why didn't you reach out to us? I went dark for one week. Yeah. But now I'm strong again. Yeah. And I'm going to show you. Yeah. You talk about that. I'm going to help you. The cape is on again. Yes. You can see me with the yeah. cape. I can't relate to that at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the whole reason why I wanted you here. Why I wanted to have a conversation with you is to talk about that Superman cape. Releasing that. And, you know, I've known you mostly from social media. We live in the same neighborhood and we worked together a few years ago. What I saw on social media was this guy who had it all together. You're super successful at what you do. You have notoriety. Important, famous people like you and work with you. And then you kind of came up into a crisis moment. And it's been interesting seeing you come out of that. And so I just wanted to hear about your experience of who were you? What path were you on? What was your moment of crisis? And the real question of, you know, when our identity gets stripped away, who are we? And what do we become? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, as we go, we might have to throw some of those questions back out. Um, It's a one and done. You have to remember all 30 (laughs) questions at once. Yeah, um, so 2018, being out in um, South Africa and Cape Town and doing some corporate speaking and then going to Australia, shadowing uh, a mentor of mine in the name of Robert Ferguson, who I named my dog after because I was like, I want him, my dog to be a service dog. And there's this man of service that I literally, I've never seen anybody walk in faith the way Robert does, the way that he is an incredible husband and dad and leader and the way that he even walks into Starbucks and the way he interacts with people and it's just beautiful. So I wanted to shadow as one of my goals is to, to be a husband, to be a dad. So I felt like, all right, in the next five to 10 years, I feel like that will be on my life and God willing. And I want to shadow the best that I've ever seen. And I think he's the greatest storyteller. So named Sir Ferguson after Robert Ferguson, my little puppy, <laughs> and went out to Australia to shadow him, his teaching class preaching class and then had the opportunity to speak on platform with my health and wellness message with scripture infused in it and felt like I was at a place of deep, deep, deep faith and flew to Brisbane from Sydney. So took about an hour flight and with a pastor to go to Brisbane, Hillsong and speak at Brisbane. I remember literally getting off the plane and I just saw it because it came back up in the feed, you know, Facebook feeds like a year ago, this happened. Two years ago, this happened. I get off the plane and my friend that I'm traveling with, Ben, Pastor Ben, he goes in the elevator and I'm laughing at him and I'm going, save the elevator for somebody that needs it. And I'm walking down the stairs five hours before you know, what's going to happen happens. And I'm going down the stairs going, you know, you'll learn. This is an opportunity to move your body. Movement creates momentum. And I'm talking about movement on a little self video. (laughs) And I'm laughing at him, showing him on video. And he's like, get out of here. I was like, take the stairs next time, buddy. Fast forward to a few hours after that. 
as I'm about to stand up in front of 500 people in Hillsong, give this message about movement and mindset. I, he's like, well, what relaxes your nerves? And I was like, well, let's go play some basketball. So I went to a basketball court. Even went to the mall to buy basketball shoes to make sure I was properly dressed. <laughs> Had a proper warm up, the same way I warm up the NBA athletes that I work with, and did a jump stop up to a dunk, came down, tore my ACL, meniscus, and hit the ground. Thought it was sticking. Thought, I really felt like the bone was sticking out. That's how painful it was. And I just was smacking the ground really loud. And I was like, Is it sticking out? Is it sticking out? I got reassured that it wasn't. There was a physical therapist on like literally at the basketball court and he tested it didn't quite know what it was but he had and it was in so much pain and he thought it could have been something like a calf related thing it could have been an ACL but I knew what that meant mm. and I was like I don't want to hear that so I pushed that aside and the people I was with we all prayed together in a group and it was like the show must go on like I'm going on about an hour from now so I asked to borrow the physical therapist um, had crutches I asked to borrow the crutches went to the church I, I, I was red all over because I was inflamed Wow! and I forgot what I was going to say because I was so nervous and scared of what just happened but um, I got up on stage and I said well this will never happen again in your life you'll never hear from anyone that's going to speak about movement that cannot move that's going to talk about mindset that's realistically right now my head is everywhere I just had a really bad accident I'm on a basketball court and we're going to do this anyway mm. and everybody was like okay and cheered a little bit and it felt like oh, okay let's go for this about an hour long talk and then flew home still not knowing what it was and as I was over in Australia I was literally waking up for sunrise getting together with a photographer taking pictures of what movement creates blank so I asked a hundred people what movement creates and one was momentum one was freedom one was clarity and I was posing in those moments to the sunrise and I was creating a book about movement <laughs> at the same time that this all happens and then I got a call from the doctor so I had to go to the doctor and, and got the call from the orthopedic and said that it was you know an ACL tear and meniscus rupture and I remember literally hanging up, crying, throwing the phone across the room. I started a company called Find Your Center, right? Eight <laughs> days a week, Find Your Center, right? Movement creates momentum, me for energy, all these beautiful things. And all of it was out the window. I remember just being shattered. And then having to wait a couple days because I couldn't fly. It would create a blood clot on the plane because it's a 24-hour flight. And waited enough time, had to wear those really fitted, tight kind of leggings um, that were not comfortable to fly in, especially that long of a flight. And then I had to set an alarm per the orthopedic surgeon's recommendation so I don't get a blood clot. And I had to stand for every hour on the plane for 24 hours and make sure that I didn't get a blood clot and walk around the plane, which I could not walk. So with crutches in a plane and walk around, landed, and of course saw the surgeon and then had to have surgery. Wow. So yeah, that's, uh, whew. yeah, moved from back from, so not only was I in New York, flying around, um, 
living in New York, spending some time in LA, a lot of time in Australia, doing the exact thing I felt like I was called to yeah. do. I was now having to live back in my small town of Fairhaven, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. where the high school graduating class I think is like 90. And not as an adult man, that's not what I planned. Yeah. And uh, I believe God was laughing, as yeah. the quote goes. And lived with mom and dad, and it was a, um, a real loss of identity. Um, I lost my movement that I considered what movement was. I quickly went into, but movement can be, you know, meditation can be movement. Mm. So I tried doing that. Well, I was in so much pain that I didn't want to meditate. Mm. Who wants to meditate when in that much pain? It was, um, yeah, I, I didn't want to eat well because I didn't feel like, I feel like I deserve to eat bad. Mm-hmm. I think of all the clients that I've worked with that I couldn't relate to then mm-hmm. that I have reached out to since and said, hey, like, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, push through it. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a really bad place for about a month mm-hmm. and eating cereal at 1 a.m. in the morning, watching every sports game, <laughs> just sitting there in bed watching TV, which isn't something that I do a lot of and um, got into a lot of different bad habits. Yeah. And um, from September 6th to October 10th, I did that. Mm-hmm. And that's me, somebody that teaches healthy habits mm-hmm. for a living. <laughs> and then I said something needs to change. And on October 10th, I woke up, got myself in the car. I don't know how, because my leg was straight and I couldn't bend it yet. <laughs> and then I went to the sunrise and I watched the sunrise. It was magnificent. I heard the birds singing and I had a two hour conversation with God and I cried for two straight hours. And I was like, this is, this is it. I need to, I need to create this change. You know, I need to be in a small town for a long time right now. I need to be at least six to nine months here. How am I going to do this? And I just asked a bunch of questions out loud as the sun rose, the sun was on my face, hearing the waves right on the ocean. And I did that, (laughs) that practice for 205 days. So 205 days in a row, I woke up, saw the sunrise, no matter what the New England weather was, <laughs> and and had conversations with God. And I think, um, I believe that God showed up in a lot of different ways yeah. during that time. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. I know there's a lot more there to unpack and uncover, <laughs> but I just, I was an athlete growing up and in college, and that moment, I still have a fear of tearing my ACL. It's like the career-ending injury, and one of the things I struggled with so much when I was an athlete, I got really hurt in college. I really hurt my back. And I remember when I finally quit tennis, it was such a loss, even though it was my choice. And in the, in the moment I was like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm finally going to like get to live a normal life and, you know, go to normal college classes and not have to have my life surrounded by practice and what I'm eating and being in the training room. And I transferred to a very small school. And I remember walking around those first few weeks and I was like, no one knows me here. And I felt invisible. I felt Mm. unimportant. And it was kind of the beginning of an unraveling for me of being like, do I matter if I'm not performing? Do I matter if 
I am not creating quote unquote results. I mean, I go back to my hometown and my name is on the side of my high school for the results I created in high school. And so I, as you're sharing your story, I like empathize with that, like that moment of you don't choose to get hurt. And this thing that you really love is now stripped away from you. And were you asking yourself any of those questions? Like, do I matter? What am I going to do? What's my purpose? Yeah. Am I worthy if I'm not performing? Like what was coming up for you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, uh, yeah, what was coming up for me was um, like, what now? You know, unfortunately, um, I, you know, my faith says, don't ask why me, ask what is this showing me? All these questions that I've repositioned in my brain and what I've told clients. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, all I could think of is why me? <laughs> why me? Why now? Like, no, this is not, like, this is not happening to me. This is not, this is, I've always felt like Superman. That's oftentimes my nickname. (laughs) In my 20s, like we would drive over bridges, even up until five years ago, even in New Zealand, driving over a bridge and being like, stop this car. I'm jumping off this bridge. I jump off the bridge and land in the water. I would always do these things, bungee jumping, skydiving, all these things that pushing my physical limits Mm -hmm. for sure. Surfing, swimming, whatever all those things are, I would do them, the extreme kind of athlete things. And to feel that all of a sudden, and like I was broken, mm-hmm. it didn't make sense because I, I, I leveraged so much acknowledgement and encouragement over my life being acknowledged for, wow, like, you're so fast or you can jump so high, you know, as, you know, white men can jump is always my, my thing. You know, I was like, hold on, white men can jump. I am olive, I'm Lebanese and I can jump. And I've always said that, that I wanted, like I wouldn't pick up golf until I couldn't dunk anymore or I want to be able to dunk on my son, you know, those kind of moments. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, am I old now? And I've always had such a youthful spirit and, you know, healthy lifestyle, all that. And that came to me. And I thought, oh my goodness. And of course, like, does my life matter? You know, do I matter? Um, not hearing from maybe uh, as many people as I thought in the moment, mm-hmm. expecting to just get flooded with phone calls and people dropping by and not receiving that at first felt um, feeling betrayed, mm-hmm. uh, feeling like I'm not loved. You know, I'm with my mom and dad. They love me great. But like you mentioned, like then putting out, uh, trying to put out another positive post on social media because that's what I've been conditioned to do and I've also conditioned others to respond to me in that way so as I after about a year of of the recovery I asked a lot of different people about the experience on how they experienced me in that and they would say like yeah we figured you were good like you're posting positive stuff making strides physically you know in your health and and you're moving faster along than they projected and you were with your mom and dad you know uh, they were going to take care of you and and I thought yeah that was great. That was well and good. But like mentally, like I wasn't working. I wasn't moving. I was back in my hometown and mentally and emotionally and spiritually shook. Mm -hmm. Like all of those questions were coming up. I remember thinking like, I want to bring the full amount of healing that I can bring to this. So sunrise was one thing. Journaling was the next. Mm -hmm. I started numbering the top right hand corner of the page. Number one, sunrise and what was coming up for me. Number two. And like I said, and those days started accumulating to 205 (laughs) and then I moved back to New York but in that process I sought out um, therapy which is something as a coach I didn't maybe as a coach maybe as a leader maybe as you know a 
son of of uh, of a man. I love my pop so much, but a man that I grew up being like, son, you gotta, you know, pick up your bootstraps and be a man, right? So it's like, okay. And and a mom that's, uh, you know, that works so hard as a single parent mom for many years, did a lot of different jobs and was like, well, like my problems aren't as bad as like their problems. Mm-hmm. So I can't address that. Well, that's a, con- that's a value conflict. Mm-hmm. But eventually I broke through that and started seeing this therapist back in my hometown. Her name's Andrea. And for the first three sessions, I was coaching myself in the session. (laughs) (laughs) And she looked at me and she said, hey, go check out. She was like, go check out this uh, YouTube. And and I I checked out the YouTube she recommended. You're like, oh, I wrote that YouTube, actually. I was like, well, I I know why I'm doing that. Like, and I don't really need to talk about, like, my mom and dad. I'm here just to talk about the full healing of my knee. But but she was like, okay. And after about four sessions, I said, uh, about a month, I said, you know, I just want to apologize. I I haven't been showing up fully to this. I realized I've been giving all the answers as I'm saying things. I'm trying to hide from what could come up. And um, I feel like I'm good. I've done every coaching certification, every Tony Robbins seminar and all the NL neuro linguistic programming stuff. And she looked at me and she goes, Oh, well, welcome to our first session then. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you. And it brought up a lot of things around topics. Like what does slow and steady mean? You know, what does slow and steady really mean? Can you be in the fast lane and still be slow and steady? Mm-hmm. Can you uh, have friendship in a slow and steady way? Can you have relationship partnership in a slow and steady way? Um, how do you ask for needs? Mm-hmm. Asking and receiving. Whew, what a lesson. I remember a story that I think would uh, add some value here in this moment to speak to how bad I was at asking for what I need. I remember being on crutches, warming up a bowl of chili in my mom's kitchen, in my mom and pop's, my parents' kitchen, and I warmed up the chili for three minutes. I took out the bowl of the chili. My dad was literally around the corner watching television in the living room. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how to get this bowl of chili from, with the crutches under my arms, over to the dining room table. I just couldn't figure out how do I get this (laughs) bowl of chili over there? And it's a, it's a funny example and, and, and my dad came around the corner and I was just like eating the bowl of chili with my crutches under me standing up near the microwave in the kitchen and I was eating the bowl of chili standing up and he's like son what are you doing you're supposed to have your leg up and I was like yeah but I just couldn't bring the bowl of chili over there with my crutches and he goes son I'm in the other room can you ask me for help and in that moment I'm like oh, I, I, I didn't even dawn on me mm-hmm. to ask you for help I'm you know and in that things, you yeah? Mm. Yeah. And in that asking for help was where, like, the real healing was, mm. you know? Yeah. And I started to really, like, work that muscle. Like, what does real healing look like? Well, real healing looks like asking for help. Mm. And and that was a part of the recovery process that was so challenging, but but like so worth it, mm-hmm. you know, like all the lessons and, and all the, the deeper connection mm-hmm. that I created with mom and pops, mm-hmm. uh, with other people, um, slow and steady, <laughs> asking for help and receiving help mm-hmm. and realizing that I can also ask for encouragement. Mm-hmm. 
because I my whole life I've made a career on being an encourager. I think on my social media Instagram, I think it says encourager first <laughs> before teacher or coach or anything. And I started to learn how to ask and I would reach out to friends and I'd say, hey, I'm really struggling. You know, just um, whether it's send me a scripture or what are you reading or hey, I'm not doing as well as, as maybe I'm posting about. And I would get these beautiful messages and I started creating an encouragement for me a memo pad in my phone. I need it every day. I'd go to the memo pad and read the encouragement for me messages from others and something I never needed in the past. Yeah. Or maybe you needed it, but (laughs) you weren't letting yourself or... Great point. Let's let's reframe that moment. The aha moment now is actually fully always needed that, Um, but I would only show up in the Superman kind of way. So Mm -hmm. I would retreat, Mm -hmm. go dark for a couple days, um, do whatever I had to do, journal, just do my own process and then come out with my Superman cape on and say, I'm fine now. I'm good. Mm -hmm. I remember dating somebody in Texas one time and she said, dating you is like dating filet mignon and lobster every day. She goes, sure. All that stuff tastes good. She goes, I never feel like I, like you need me. Mm -hmm. You never share any needs. You always wear your cape. And of course in that, like you're never vulnerable. You're never fully real. You can't have great days every single day. So I started realizing who to bring and you can't bring it to everyone. I think there's some discernment in that. How to, where am I going to bring the fact that I'm having a tough day Mm -hmm. in those moments? I had a great friend by the name of Traver that would call me pretty much once a week and he would say, Hey, let's like sit in the suck together. Mm. Let's just sit there. That whole David Goggins kind of motto. And he was like, let's just, how bad is it suck right now? He goes, you know, how bad is it? You know, live with your mom and dad. How's your dating life? Not too good, huh? (laughs) Live with mom and dad. Not New York and we were laughing and then we would always end with like hey and look at your healthy me and thank that one Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of beautiful encouragement Mm -hmm. but um and I'm still learning I'm I'm back in New York City now and and still really deepening what that looks like Mm -hmm. because I can easily go back into the conditioning of New York City keep up Mm -hmm. keep going yeah instead I created this motto that I journal about almost every day and it was in the past I would go (laughs) now I'm going to ground. So rather than going, I'm going to ground. And what does that look like? So I even started, I would try to touch the ground. And at the time I couldn't, because I couldn't bend my knee enough to touch the ground, but eventually I could touch the ground and then I would touch the ground. Mm-hmm. You know? And I was thinking all these different ways that I could ground. Yeah. yeah. Well, what a gift to yeah. be able to touch the ground, you know? Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It felt like a gift. It feels like a gift. Mm-hmm. It still does. Yeah. yeah. This episode of the Refined Collective Podcast is brought to you by my very own free guide for single women, six tips to activate your dating life. Raise your hand if dating as a woman of faith in today's swipe right, swipe left culture has ever felt like a total struggle fest. Or maybe being single in our culture today feels overwhelming, lonely, discouraging, frustrating. And maybe if you're being really honest, it can even feel hopeless. Listen, single gal to single gal, I totally get it. But did you know that doing the same thing over and over again while expecting different results is known as the insanity cycle? 
friend, it is time to walk into a freeing, exciting, and purpose-filled season of singleness. It's time to activate your dating life. I created a free guide for you, and by free, I mean zero dollars, called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life to equip you to shake things up in your season of singleness. You can grab it right now at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. Now you will walk away knowing number one, the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. Number two, I'm going to teach you how to get unstuck in your dating life. And three, I will show you the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically change your season of singleness. And finally, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. You don't have to wander around for years like I did, insecure, uncertain, and discouraged about your dating or lack thereof life. So if any of this resonates with you, pause and go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W dating tips and grab your free guide. Again, that's bit.ly slash T-R-W dating tips. All right, let's get back to it. So when you're processing through kind of this like breakthrough with your dad of, oh my gosh, I need help. I can ask for help. And even just, you know, sitting in the suck with your friend, what can you kind of like look back on or connect with why for so long did you feel or did you believe that you couldn't ask for help? Like what were you afraid of happening? What, what were you avoiding? What was in that for you? Because we have like, we have a cost to our decisions, but we also get a reward, you know? Yeah. The cost, um, sure. The cost of the decision was lack of like real depth and intimacy. Mm -hmm. I felt like conscious conversation. I enjoy having, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I would bring that to a lot of my guy friends or, you know, quote unquote brothers, you know, and, and go really deep with them. But in the romantic partnership aspect, preventing myself to go deeper, to be vulnerable in that way. So cost there, the reward being building up this, I am coach. I'm not even Adam Cobb. I am coach Adam Cobb Mm. and then get rewarded for all the nutritional fitness, mindfulness work that I've spent so many years developing, getting rewarded, you know, um, to that by literally everybody in where I live, whether it was Australia, LA, everybody calling me, Hey coach and liking that. Mm -hmm. And if I'm coaching all the time, First of all, that's exhausting. Second of all, I felt like I had to have all the answers. So to say, I don't know, which actually is incredibly freeing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It takes a lot of courage and strength to say that. Yeah, I was completely terrible at that because of that. And I'm learning Mm -hmm. how to say I don't know, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to like my field. Mm -hmm. Somebody asks a nutrition question. I feel like I should know. Mm -hmm. And to say, I don't know, you know, I will find out mm-hmm. or let's find out together. Mm-hmm. The answers are different and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So where do you think, like, where are you at now? You know, I know you're back in New York. I mean, you're walking around. <laughs> I'm walking around. You're healthy. I jogged from, from uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn to Red Hook, uh, which is a 6.6 mile run. And I did that. 
And I experienced very little pain, a little bit of pain the next day. But I jogged there to literally get um, some barbecue as barbecue is <laughs> cornbread and brisket. Come on. And and it's my it's like my birthday meal. Like, <laughs> that's my birthday meal. Cornbread and brisket. Yes. And they have this thing called pastrami bacon, which might not sound the best, but when it comes out, it's the greatest thing I've ever had. I mean, you just haven't had me at bacon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, I believe in plant-based as well, right? And that's my go-to meal. So I jogged there and that felt good. Um, This morning, I was actually swimming because I have a goal to do either a triathlon slash I really want to do an Ironman in Lake Placid at the end of July. And But I also don't want to trade. Like it's not a good trade if I'm just pushing through the... I don't want to push through the pain. Yeah. I've learned that, that that's not a good trade. Mm-hmm. Right. Going through all that pain, uh, physically and mentally, emotionally and spiritually, uh, the last thing I want to do is invite pain physically when I know I don't need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this morning I went to the pool and I forgot my goggles. And uh, the training partner I'm working with, Mike, he's like, oh, you have to go back and get your goggles. And I said, no, no, I'm going to I'm going to do all the exercises that one year from today that I did in the pool that caused me so much pain. So I'm just going to do all the exercises like standing up and running in the pool and those things. And I'll tell you, it felt so good to do those exercises in the pool with zero pain. So I think I'm at that place right now. I'm pretty mobile. You know, the doctor said I can't play basketball yet or volleyball yet. The bulk hasn't come back yet around the area. So I'm being cautious of that. And that was like my goal. Yeah. When the orthopedic was like, okay, what's your goal? And I was like, when a year from now, I want to dunk again. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and then a year came and I'm like, that's not my goal right now. <laughs> my goal is just to feel good and no pain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that shifted. I think now I am, when I'm working with clients in this way of always teaching move well, eat well, think well, I've added rest well. Mm-hmm. And what does rest well mean? Rest well, recovery. Resting isn't just sleep. Resting is a state of being. So what is what does your rest look like today? So I've started teaching a lot of that, um, including a lot of like alignment, physical therapy, Agoski method, different uh, Alexander technique, a lot of different things that allowed me to feel aligned, centered, mm-hmm. rather than just euphoric off the high of a big workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So adding in these different elements mm-hmm. is kind of what I'm doing a lot of right now. Yeah. And searching for a deep level of creative work. Mm-hmm. So um, some writing, some speaking, working at the studio in the city doing artist dates as I read Julia Cameron's The Artist Way. Nice. And I went to a workshop of hers. She was here in New York last month. So I went to the two-day workshop and doing some morning pages, which is the idea of waking up and just writing for, you know, just first thing in the morning writing, you know, uh, whether it's one or three pages as she shares and then an artist date. And it's been really beautiful because New York City, it's like we have all this oh, yeah. beautiful, mm-hmm. all the beautiful creative mm-hmm. And artistic aspects of in New York City. So doing those things have been important, mm-hmm. and just being present to what shows up and yeah. what comes up. Yeah. So if you could kind of sum up where you were like two years ago, and if you were to say like who you were then and who you are now, mm. through this like almost like this brokenness of your body and your identity, like. Mm. 
who were you then and who do you feel like you are now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think then really identifying as coach, I felt like I had to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. I felt like I um, asked, still very curious, asking a lot of questions. I feel like that's where it was then. I was very much going like drive, push. I'm going to do this. I'm going to chase this opportunity. I'm going to fly here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do all these things. And eventually one of them will crack. And I'm like, that's the compass. That's the North Star. That's where we're going. And now has been a lot more grounding, surrendering, listening, embracing stillness, embracing solitude, not being afraid of it, embracing silence. Even shut out I've always then music from the moment I went, woke up to the moment I went to bed and music was on. I might even went to bed with music <laughs> now shutting music off being really in. I'm in a listening place, um, asking questions and then I'm listening. And what does that sound like? I remember being challenged by the therapist I was seeing and also by a pastor, a friend of mine. What does silence sound like right now? Oh, that's good. And I didn't have an answer. So I started going to, kept going to the sunrise and just sat with, what does this silence sound like right now? Mm-hmm. And silence sounds different to everyone. So everybody will have a different answer. But I don't, I think oftentimes, I know I was, I, I didn't know it. I did not know it, but now I do, that I was afraid of silence. What does silence sound like? Well, I'm just going to keep moving. Because movement creates momentum. Well, there's movement in stillness. Yeah. Right. I know that now. Mm-hmm. In my head, I knew it then. In my heart, I know it now. Yeah. So the biggest thing was that I was operating in my head. Mm. Then I am operating in my heart now. Every time I want to close it up, I can feel it. Mm. I can actually feel it. And I'm like, nope, crack it open. And I have about six friends that literally are the most beautiful, open-hearted human beings. And I know who to call on. And I'll say, hey, I feel like it's closing up. I I went to my head a lot today. Mm. And they'll just call me, you know, support me in that way. And I'm learning how to lead with an open heart. And I'll tell you, it is not easy. Yeah. I went to the Martin Luther King tribute at BAM last Monday and I cried for like two hours after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like the heart is open mm-hmm. and I want to like, where am I putting energy? You know, how can I bridge that gap? You know, how, what can, what work can I do to bridge that gap of, of oneness as I came to New York City? I don't think you knew this, but um, as a sophomore in high school, the teacher said to me, you know, what does everybody want to do? And it came around to me as a sophomore in high school and I said, I want to live the one the king dream and he was like okay what does that mean and then before i moved to new york over 15 years ago now i remember having a mission of like oneness through wellness if i could teach people how to be in their body be to be centered create clarity increase energy feel confident grounded then they would have more joy they would look at their neighbor on the street they would say hi it'd be a unified connected culture and oneness would be available unity things like that and when i came back from the martin luther king trivia i was i was shook and i thought oh i've got off i've gotten away from that mm-hmm. and that was the overall mission so i feel like i'm getting back on track with that that's good yeah. it's always well i don't want to say there's always time to get on 
back on track because I feel like life is short, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like even just yesterday with Kobe Bryant's passing, mm. like just, I mean, mm. I found out and I was just, I sh- it just, it still, it feels unreal. And I used to coach his daughter tennis and he would sit on my court and just watch his daughter playing tennis. And, you know, so I, my knee jerk reaction when you shared that was to be like, yeah, we, you always have time to like, you know, get back on track. But I feel inauthentic saying that in light of just this unexpected tragedy and just being like, wow, like, and I think it's affecting a lot of people. I mean, I can't imagine the Bryant family, what they're going through on the other family that was in the helicopter, but just how we're not promised our next breath and we're not promised tomorrow. And like, we have one, we have one moment and it's this moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, yeah, I was thinking about that. They said, um, I heard an interview this morning and Peter King talked about Kobe Bryant's, what he found most fascinating. Kobe Bryant was Kobe Bryant's favorite book was on Jonathan Livingston's Seagull. Mm. Have you read it? I know it, yes. Yeah, and you know, I have not read it, so I'm really intrigued to read it, but I mention it because that was, that was Kobe Bryant. He was always identifying with, I am more than a basketball player. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a quote that Pastor John Gray quoted that said, uh, take no moment for granted because no moment is promised to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really a rally cry I felt like yesterday. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I have one more question. And I, <laughs> I have I a don't... question for you before we go. Oh! I, my question <laughs> is this, is, is that as I've been, can I ask it? Yeah, of course. Because you'll finish with your question? Yeah. I was saying that when I, I came back to New York mm-hmm. after being really away for about a year, coming back to New York, feeling overwhelmed mm-hmm. with just the city and feeling some anxiety come up. And I went to the ocean, watch the sunrise with birds chirping, no matter how cold it was, but it was still there every day. And when I get back to New York, I thought, man, I can't even see the sunrise because it goes over the buildings and I can't see it. So I went up on the bridges to see if I could see it from there. And I really couldn't. And one of the things that I've been asking people, because it's really important to me right now, as I'm still in this place of honoring my uh, self-care practices, my self-celebration practices. And I mentioned to you like the sacred grounding places and you said, oh, like my safe spaces. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, what are your safe spaces in, maybe they won't be safe anymore, but, (laughs) or sacred places in New York, like little pockets of, of, I mentioned assemblage with the nature kind of Mm -hmm. feel to it. I'm looking to make sure that those are places that I'm tapping in to mm-hmm. because I do believe that New York has almost everything yeah. to offer and they have almost everything in Except that stillness. <laughs> right? And in that stillness, whether yeah. it's parks right. or things like that, but anything? Yeah, for I'd sure. Like to ask you, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, we were chatting about it. I've been very open on the podcast about struggling with anxiety and just really moving through healing in that process. And a massive part of that has been having tools, having space, creating rest within my daily life. And I really do feel like if I can figure out how to be a soul at rest in New York city, like you can do it anywhere. Yeah. So I think the, the most important thing to me is, 
do I feel safe in myself? And so when I start feeling disconnected from myself or the whispers of anxiety start coming, scripture talks about having a renewal of the mind and to take every thought captive and to think on what is lovely, pure, true, good, beautiful. And so when I feel that coming up, when I'm like, Oh, like I don't feel safe or I'm feeling like maybe I feel a little nervous right now or scared. I just, I used to be really angry at myself or judge myself when that would come up, especially after I had done this work of healing. And now I try, I literally like put my hand on my heart and I'm like, okay, what's coming up for you right now? What are you afraid of? Mm. And typically with fear starts coming up for me when I put pressure on myself to take care of me, basically when I'm trying to be God. And so once I, I, it's my safe, one of my safest places is reminding myself of what's true. I am loved. I am seen. I am known. I am cared for. I'm provided for. I'm accepted. I am worthy. I'm enough. I'm free. I'm whole. Everything that I long for, I already have access to because of who God is and who God says I am. And just speaking that over me, I can be like in a crowded subway. I can be in Tulum, Mexico, in the most beautiful place. <laughs> but when I'm grounded in truth, it it's like the churning beneath the surface starts to slow down. So that's super important to me. But actual places in New York, like for me, it's super important to be in water. So I go to Aerie Bathhouse once a quarter. I don't know if you've been there. I've never been there. Okay. Oh my gosh, you've been in New York for 15 years. You've never been there? Airy Airy Bathhouse. It is, when I discovered, like I basically go once a quarter. It's a two-hour experience or a -a two-and-a-half-hour experience. It's in Tribeca. And and you walk in and it's quiet. Like there's silent signs everywhere and it's, it's only candlelit. Oh, wow. And it, there's like cold pools, hot pools, steam rooms, float tanks. And it's the most luxurious, quiet two hours of your whole life in the city. Like there's like literally there's no lights. It's just candlelight. And you're in this like massive room with like 15, 20 other people. It feels clean. It's very clean. Some bathhouses are really yeah. clean. Yeah. No, it's, so they have, a, I love a good Korean bathhouse. It's like $30 for 24 sure. hours. Yeah. Um, you have to wear bathing suits in this one. Yeah. <laughs> like it's cold. But you're there to unplug and Mm. that it's like something about being in the water. So healing for me and being in the water and being in silence is exactly the same. The water is really important Mm. to me. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm. just getting in that water is like so important to me. Mm. Um, Massages Mm. are good for me. The guy who wrote body keeps the score says we don't remember our trauma. We feel it. Mm. And like the number one way that Jesus healed people in the Bible was by physical touch. So I think there's something really healing and can be safe with, you know, in a safe environment to be like massaged and touched. And there's, that's been like such a restorative thing for me to allow myself to receive support in that way. Gosh, what are other places in the city? And I feel like the airy bathhouse. Yeah. I'm putting that right on Yeah, you got to get there. I am like their biggest evangelist. I'm like, I was just there last week. I go there and I'm like, okay, I can do this for another six months. I feel 
one of the most safe places for me is my yoga mat and the prayer room at my church. So I have airy bathhouse. I have standing in truth. The, my church, Church of the City, has a prayer room. They meet um, Monday through Friday, 7 to 8, 8 to 9, 9 to 10, 12 to 1. And it's in Hell's Kitchen. Every hour is led by a different worship leader, a different person from a different church. So it's this very diverse experience. You go in there. It could be three people in there. It could be 40 people in there. And it's just a place where people come to pray. And so that is so great. And then my yoga mat is just, I feel so connected to myself and to God when I'm on that mat. Mm, So those are my places. Yeah. Yeah. To add one to that, the High Line yeah. at 7 a.m. Okay. Okay. <laughs> From 7 a.m. to 7.45. <laughs> After that, it's like the... Yeah, it's the opposite of what yeah. we're going for. Um, you had mentioned you had another question. Yes. So my last question, I know this is like a, a can of worms, so you can answer it however you want to. Mm. But as you were talking and even as you were you know, sharing about your, you went to therapy for the first time yeah. in your whole life and, you know, needing support, I couldn't help but think of what it means to be a man and masculinity and the so many of the messages we receive in culture about, you know, even just crying, mm. you know, you had a moment of vulnerability here Mm. in our conversation and through this experience what have you learned about yourself as a man Well, one, I, I cry all the time now, which is really different. Um, I used to just cry over This Is Us watching it with my mom. Now, it's like I'm crying all the time. And I think, it, yeah, how, how am I um, defining myself as a man now? Mm-hmm. That real strength is, like, real strength is this, like, open-hearted, get out of my head, get into my heart. How to do that, I spent the six months of therapy, how to really get into my heart and to notice like deep, deep, deep noticing to when I'm not in there. Mm. Right. Again, it's so easy to say it. I said it my whole life, like, Oh, just operate from your heart. I said all the right things. I, I knew how to say all the right things, all the right catchphrases. And there are no catchphrases when you're operating out of your heart. Like all those catchphrases are gone and you just feel and you mm. feel it. And then you have to identify I wear. So I've like, for me, it's like the sternum areas, like where I feel the most Mm -hmm. often. I may even touch that area, just like push on it or kind of like rub it a little bit in that way to almost connect to it and then get clear on like, what, what is that feeling? Mm -hmm. Right. What is that feeling that's going on at the moment? So I think one, now I feel like real strength is expressing feeling, expressing a need. I still have a lot of work to do in that area of how to ask for my needs. I think number one, stopping. appreciating the stillness enough to know that one, you have needs in every relationship, you have different needs. So like, what are the needs in this relationship? What are the needs that I need to honor in my own self practice? And then, and then it's like, next step, how do I ask for these needs? How do I put them in place? How do I hold them accountable? Like, Oh, like there's like 10 steps in that process. But I think knowing that, and then also because then you can go to the extreme, you can swing the pendulum. Um, where I've, I have a lot of friends that have swung to like, I want to feel, and it's like, you know, they're doing yoga every single day and they're even afraid of doing like a hard workout because that means 
that's the, then the fire comes back. And in the fire, I'm going to do what I used to do, which was manipulation, which was, you know, different things that came with that. So I think right now I'm trying for myself to be the best kind of fire water mix. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, I like to get fired up. I, I enjoy a good run now. Now that I can run and I get high off that. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to express myself with arms wide open. And yet also on the water end, I like to like sit and have my feet grounded, go through a deep meditation and listen to what's being said also what's not being said i think that we have an opportunity in 2020 <laughs> as gentle as gentlemen um, of 2020 um, to be gentle to be giant in a great way to be um, slow and steady in our approaches to ask and receive but really operating from the heart what it means to operate from our hearts and to have support. I know I and many other men that I know are really tired about asking for support, especially leaders in their crafts, whether that's having a, a group of leaders that we all feel comfortable talking to each other because we can relate in that level and also just keeping ourselves accountable mm-hmm. to that heart to heart opening yeah. and, and keep reflecting how am I operating? Um, why am I operating that way? And as you said before, that you can always shift it and change. Mm-hmm. Right? Not always, but for the most part, you can shift it now. Mm-hmm. You're listening yeah. to this right now. A man's listening to this. It's like, all right, get into your heart. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What does it feel like? Mm-hmm. Start to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for just bringing yourself and sharing your story. I'm so grateful and I'm grateful for this time and the conversation and the hour conversation we had that we should have been recording. Oh my God. That was so good too. Um, That was even better than this. You guys Um, don't even know what you missed. Oh my goodness. Um, Thank you for having me, um, for asking me to be on. I think I was most intrigued um, as I don't just want to talk about fitness right now. I think I'm most intrigued by your tagline of the, uh, I think it was the Instagram podcast account that said something about taking the Superman cape off. Mm -hmm. And I was really intrigued by that. Yeah. And then the loss of identity is something that I'm I'm writing about now. Yeah. And I'll share more about it later some other time, but um, it's a, a process of going through it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Being on the other side, like I'll say often that it feels so good to be on the other side. Mm -hmm. But now in this other side, how do I want to choose to show up Mm -hmm. and operate, not to fall back to those default settings? So easy. It's so easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how can people stay in touch with you? Where can they find your writing when you're done? Or yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. They can. uh, It's still Coach Adam Cobb. I may (laughs) change it eventually. Right now it's at Coach Adam Cobb on Instagram. And I've been, um, when I was away being for this year in a small town, there are a lot of people, I, I wasn't working with the clients that I physically work with in New York. So it really forced me to go. I, I, I come from a single parent mom, a middle-class, even to lower middle-class neighborhood. And like, I am not, um, impacting 
the same place that I came from. Mm-hmm. I'm working with athletes and actors and CEOs and, and all these high performing people. But guess what? Like my mom's a high performer, though she was a single parent mom cleaning mm-hmm. toilets at night, working in a bakery, riding her bike to the bakery because we didn't have a car, you know, at 30 years old, right? Like mom was a high performing individual mm-hmm. and somehow I lost track of that. Mm-hmm. So I am so much more connected to that mission. I have such a heart, especially for single parent moms, mm-hmm. but I um, love you single parent moms. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because of that, we created some things online. So it's like eight week, eight week class here, a 21 day challenge here and different ways like that. But um, it's coachadamcobb.com. It's coachadamcobb on Instagram. So it's a good place. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, excited to hear what's next and excited yeah. to just listen Me to your too. journey. I'm yeah. excited to hear what's next oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> 2020 is in full swing and I don't know about you, but I am here for it. I'm also here human to human to ask you for support. Help me friend to help you. The Refine Collective podcast is one of my most favorite projects that I have ever worked on in my career, but it is definitely a labor of love. We have quite a bit of hard cost each month from software and subscription services to my team who edit and produce the episodes to licensing music and running logistics for all things. Refined Collective. Now, because of that, I want to invite you, yes, you, to join our Patreon community. Patreon is this incredible platform that helps listeners financially support their favorite podcasts. You can support the Refined Collective podcast for as little as $5 a month. And we made a bunch of fun different tiers that are jam-packed with goodies and VIP access to our newest content. And you will be notified before anyone else about our upcoming live events. I'll also be going to you for first to find out what questions you want answered and what topics you want covered moving forward. So in the midst of a wild year, I want to ask you, friend, if you'd be willing to link arms with my team and me and sharing some of the load and helping make the Refined Collective podcast the best it can possibly be. So if you want to learn more or sign up today, head on over to patreon.com slash the Refined Collective. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Refined Collective. Thank you so, so much for being a part of this community. 